Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Does anyone else hate when websites say your password is too weak? Like, thank you so much, but so is my memory and frankly, my emotional stability at this point. So I'd appreciate it if you'd let me keep it. Thank y'all. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Wednesday, April 20th. Happy 420. Hell yeah. I'm J.E. Skeets alongside me here in the yard. We got Tass Mellis. What's up, everybody? What's up, Tass? We got our Tasha Hot Boy, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. The international man of mystery taking it to the Max Lielis. Friends. And last, certainly not least, super producer JD. Hello. There he is. And here we are. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Hello, hello, hello. Subscribe, like, comment, share the show. Help your boys out. Email in your NBA questions. Keep them coming to no dunks at theathletic.com. I know right now at the start of the playoffs, we're very games heavy, focused on those uh, games night in, night out. 40 games and 40 nights. There's a lot. But as we sort of get into the, to the second round and the conference finals, there'll be more time tasks to tackle a lot of these questions that people are sending in, I feel like. So yeah, that's a very good coming. point. Yeah, right yeah, now we'll I'm, I'm doing some discarding. I'm, I'm a little cutthroat with the emails. But, that's fine. Uh, they, they, they'll be coming in soon. Yeah, okay, great. We'll be hitting the beach, don't you worry, a little bit later here uh, in the summer and in the playoffs. And speaking of playoffs, let's get into the games. Three on last night. Uh, we'll, we'll save the Eastern Conference game and the Jimmy Butler show for a little bit later. Got some NBA news, too. We got Tweet of the Night. But we start with the last game on Tuesday night, and that was the Pelicans rallying past the Suns. Yes, the eighth seed upset the number one seed 125-114 big part of this game obviously the injury to Devin Booker uh but what do you think Lily? I thought this was a, a huge awesome victory for the Pelicans and for the playoffs in general this is what we want is it the number one the number eight seed upsetting the number one but honestly it was a really strong performance by New Orleans nothing fake or uh, lucky about it I think they outplayed Phoenix you mentioned the Devin Booker injury there he did leave the game in the third quarter and did not return with uh, some sort of in, uh, hamstring strain but the Pelicans were leading the game when he left and I think that's important to note because this wasn't as though the Pelicans just sort of took advantage of a lucky break they were in control when Booker left and Booker incredibly had a 31 point monster first half looked like he couldn't miss anything and then the Suns kind of weren't able to fill the gap a little bit after that scoring the ball but I also think that the key to this game uh, apart from Brandon Ingram the Suns defense which you know during the regular season very very good at defending the three-point line and very very good at defending teams in transition but last night the Pelicans went 17 for 30 from downtown and they only finished uh, statistically with 16 fast break points but they had 28 points off turnovers and I think that was also a really key factor here for the Pelicans they created a lot of those fast breaks they created a lot of those turnovers and then were able to go home and cash in on them but Brandon Ingram really is still the major 
story from this one because he was incredible. He got the 37 points on incredible efficiency here. 13 for 21 from the field. 8 for 8 from the free throw line. Practice your free throws, kids. 3 for 3 from 3. And then on top of all that, I thought his playmaking in this game, maybe playmaking was his best part of the game there last night (laughs) because he had nine assists and four of those led to three-pointers, which is huge because as he drew a little bit more attention, he was kicking the ball out and guys were knocking down shots and it was CJ McCollum who knocked one down early, but that's fine. You expect it from CJ, but when you get it from Alvarado, from Herb Jones and Trey Murphy, that is a massive victory here for the Pelicans because as we all know in the playoffs, a star player is going to get a little bit more attention, especially when he's having a great game like that. And it is so important for those role players to hit those threes and and make the other team pay. He also ran some nice stuff there with Jackson Hayes in transition. He got Larry Nance with a nice oop there as well. So Brandon Ingram sort of knew that defensive intensity was coming. And he was like, I'm going to trust my guys. And they uh, rewarded that faith there. So this was great. And then for the Suns, Chris Paul was okay. Didn't shoot all that well. But the conspiracy theorists are out hot this morning. (laughs) given it was the 14th straight playoff game that Scott Foster has officiated a Chris Paul playoff game and Chris Paul team has lost. So that's wow. something for those out there who believe in that sort of stuff. I don't think that's true last night. I think the New Orleans Pelicans, and look, maybe the Suns felt, you know, hey, we're at home, we got the first win, this team's the eighth seed, we're going we're gonna to have enough to close them out and Brandon Ingram can't stay that hot. And some of the shots he hit weren't maybe uh, analytically the best shots, but he felt it last night. He was confident. He's dealing with a bit of an ankle injury as well. And yeah. so overall, I just thought New Orleans played a very complete game. They got tons of contributions from, from everybody who played out there. I thought Valanciunas was good. I thought uh, CJ McCollum was really good as well. But Brandon Ingram was the best player on the court last night uh, in so many ways, defensively, scoring the ball, shooting the ball, and then finding his teammates. And uh, that's why the Pelicans won this game. Yeah, I think it was one of the best Brandon Ingram games I've ever seen. Uh, like just hands down, 37, 11, and 9. And just like the, the balance of scoring over smaller guys, attacking when it wasn't Crowder or Bridges on them, and then setting up all these guys like Lee said, Tass. I thought that was a special, special game. And it's, it's cool that this is his first postseason run here, and he's uh, already living up to the hype. What do you think? Yeah, he's probably the most unheralded all-star that's in his prime in this league. I I don't know how you judge the unheralded list, but we love hot takes. So this guy is unheralded. Nobody really has, you know, followed him uh, closely to to know that this dude is, uh, you know, could be one of the best players when it comes to fourth quarter scoring. I loved his soft pink shoes out there. I thought those were pretty. Uh, Their injuries were happening all over the place. Uh, Ingram turning his ankles in those pink shoes. Uh, obviously, uh, the Devin Booker injury. Mikel Bridges had a lower leg injury. Uh, I, I still think that the Suns are the favorite in this series, despite you know the the Pels going home and it's one one. The, the Pels are they going to be able to play this way? When now the target's on their back. Now the pressure's a little bit off of the Phoenix Suns. Now these young guys who are a little too young to know what they don't know. Love that saying. And now with the, them having won this game, are they going to be able to do what they did in Phoenix? It's, it's a different sort of pressure. But uh, in game two, all those young guys, it was uh, so enjoyable to watch those guys. Uh, I mean, the third quarter, that back and forth where Jackson Hayes was blocked by Mikel Bridges, then the other way it goes back, and Jackson Hayes blocks the snot out of Mikel Bridges. And then you had Devontae Graham. The tiniest Devontae Graham on the floor at that time goes and blocks a three-point shot. Trey Murphy, three threes off the bench. 
Herb Jones, obviously solid. Larry Nance contributing. This is what the Portland Trailblazers thought they were getting in Larry Nance. I still like that trade. Anyways, and then the Jose Alvarado, uh, uh, Chris Paul Light, uh, with, with what a glorious, glorious uh, wave uh, of, uh, of Jose Alvarado by Chris Paul. Jose Alvarado tried to do the Jose Alvarado to Chris Paul in the backcourt in the fourth quarter, and Chris Paul gave him a wave. Get the out of here, man. Uh, it was so beautiful to watch that. So the Pels getting incredible contributions around Brandon Ingram. The, 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 the Suns, the team that has obviously won the most games this season, just couldn't overcome everybody contributing so well. Even down the stretch, I was waiting for Chris Paul to take over and finish off the Pels, but because the Pels were, were scoring so efficiently, it was impossible for them to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Uh, you know, it's it's obviously um, the question the question mark looms here. It's a hamstring, as they're saying here in the stream team. Uh, but I do think that the 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 Suns should still be the favorites, even though, yeah, the Pels look great. Can they keep this up? Hopefully, you know, it's it's a great story, as Lee said, the one eight, and uh, looking forward to Game Three in New Orleans. What do you think, Trey? I thought that I was that referee from the boxing meme watching the two heavyweights go back and forth. He's like, ooh, ooh, this is so good. From about five minutes left to about two minutes left in the fourth quarter, there were no misses. It was like, man, this is awesome to see the Suns have an answer for every single basket that the Pelicans make. But that's when you kind of realized, wait a second here. The Suns have to score every time down because they're giving up a basket every single time down. I thought it was uh, very indicative. Like Lee's saying, uh, the transition opportunities, they had, that, uh, they had the wired segment with Monty Williams, and he's talking about three steps. So then he was asked in his uh, third quarter interview, what are those three steps? And he's like literally taking three steps sprinting to get back on defense because the Suns weren't doing that. And I think uh, Williams said it was his, he thinks it's the worst game the Suns have played defensively in transition since he's been the coach there. It was only 16 to nine in fast break points, but like Lee's saying, it felt like more, and maybe there's some like sort of like weird transition semi-transition that probably breaks down in there somewhere. Whatever it was, the Pelicans knew that they could run on the Suns, and the Suns weren't 100% committed to defense, which they have been for the entirety of the season. They're going to be better uh, in Game 3, more committed to the defensive end, but that was really awesome uh, to see the Pelicans take advantage of, of an injury to Devin Booker that certainly threw the Suns off a little bit. They just had to yeah. figure out different ways to score. Uh, Booker's a decent defender in that he brings size to his position and is going to be in the right place, so... I thought, uh, I thought good stuff on the Pelicans to get a win in this kind of game. Because, I mean, if, if Brandon Ingram has his career best game and the Pelicans don't win this, we're talking about a potential sweep. Now they're yeah. going back to game yeah. three in New Orleans. It's going to be loud there. Certainly uh, the, the Suns are going to be better. But at least you have a little bit more confidence if you're New Orleans. And if you're looking at the long-term future of the team, this is awesome to get your first playoff win. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and just to get all these young guys the experience alone, whether they win one to two or you know somehow pull this off. The Booker injury, you know, he's battled hamstring issues before, Lee, and I know we're waiting to, to find out how severe it is. Like, maybe he's good to go in Game 3 for all we know. But in December of this season, he missed, like, I think it was seven games there with the uh, left hamstring uh, injury. Happened on a similar play, if I remember, too. Just like, you know, sort of this, like, didn't get hit or anything, just landed awkwardly when he was doing a little chase down there, block attempt. And then he also got injured in last year's finals, um, which was a hamstring injury in game three. He played through that, and I guess he kept it secret at the time. I saw Brian Windhorst reporting. Um, so he's had that, and he had one in 2021, uh, the 2020-21 season as well. So this is like a lingering issue. But again, do you agree with Tass sort of, 
let's say no Booker. I don't know. Let's just hypothetically no Booker for a game three. You still like the Suns' chances to be in control of this as a number one seed, or can the Pelicans pull this off if there's no Devin? No, I, I mean, I've still got the Suns coming out of this series. Maybe it goes six, maybe it goes seven games because uh, the Pelicans have got good, solid veterans on that team. But the Suns have been the best home team, the best road team this season. They've overcome dealing with Chris Paul, missed, what, six weeks there towards the end of the season. So I think they're sort of used to playing shorthanded. And, you know, whoever comes into that starting lineup to replace Booker, assuming he certainly misses game three here, uh, they have have the depth they've got the great you know the very good defensive team they shoot the three ball well so they've got enough still to beat the pelicans but it certainly it makes their job harder you know it certainly mm-hmm. does and uh you know i mean booker is, is going to finish in that top five of the mvp voting this season and you saw in that first quarter or first half i should say every single thing he threw up just was going in i mean it was incredible he was on track for 50 or 60 last night if he if he plays the whole game but uh i think if you're the suns obviously you you uh, uh, proceed with extreme caution right now and you know unless he's a hundred percent you just don't bother playing him in game three you've got to give him Mm. uh, whatever chance you have to recover here because to me and we don't know of course there's nothing coming out from it yet but you can sort of tell almost from a player's facial expressions and their demeanor how they feel about the injury and he almost knew straight away oh he went I, I'm out exactly right away. yeah and so he, he you know he knows what it is but, but no one knows the severity right now but it will suck if he does you know let's say he's out for you know the rest of this series or whatever it will just suck because that's the last thing we want in any playoff series and uh and again you don't want to take any of the uh shine off this victory for the pelicans they were leading when he was out they, you know they yep. won this game you know completely uh fairly it wasn't as though it was only because Booker went out they didn't win this game. They closed it out down the stretch. They they went punch for punch, as uh, Trey was alluding to there, boxing terms-wise, with with <laughs> the best home team and the best team in the league this season. So, you know, that, that was a fair win. And uh, I just hope Booker isn't, you know, out for an extended period here. Yeah, the other thing that sucked, I, I saw Ziggy, who's always in the stream team here. I saw him tweet this this morning. Devin Booker was a hamstring tweak away from putting up possibly, let's say, 50 and having an all-time meme moment with the baby oh, yeah. dap. Yeah. Absolutely true. I mean, if if Booker finishes with 40 to 50 and then they win the game, the baby dap lives forever. I mean, uh, instead now the baby's... Well, unfortunately, the baby's cursed now is what people are saying. This baby went from a hero to being cursed uh, in the blink of an eye with one hamstring tweak. But uh, what a moment, Trey. Oh, uh, this was this was the greatest. I'm old enough and enough of a sicko to remember Will Barton dapping up a baby back when we were doing mm. the starters. Doesn't hold a candle to this baby dap. Will Barton's coming off the court, just going to the, going to the tunnel at halftime. Shout out to that baby. This was yeah. like an in-game in playoff baby dap you can see all of the fans sitting around him go crazy when this <laughs> happened but uh i don't know i guess this baby is like a a pat beverly sort of baby <laughs> <laughs> i love the baby's like i love how like uh this is gonna be like the nirvana baby you know in 25 years time we're gonna say you know how your life changed yeah. the baby's gonna want royalties as well for all the footage use of it so. <laughs> i don't know oh baby of the year oh my baby of the year <laughs> Uh, I didn't I, think that baby was going to be a Harley Jarvis, but it kind of was. Yeah, yeah Turned exactly. Turned out to be Jarvis. <laughs> uh, my only other note from this game, uh, with the, you guys already touched about how great the defense was. They, and, and, like, like, and that the Suns couldn't slow them. That was the most shocking part in the fourth quarter. New Orleans had 35 points on 25 possessions there in the fourth. But Willie Greentass is so locked in to his eight-man rotation and then, you know, a couple minutes, spot minutes for a couple other guys. Like, 
If there, there's 240 minutes to go around in a basketball game, and Willie is locked in here, it's 40 minutes basically for Ingram, McCollum, and Herb Jones, okay? It's about 25 for your big guy, Valanchunas. It's 20 minutes each for Jackson Hayes and Larry Nance, who was great in this one again. It's 20 minutes to the sharpshooting rookie, Trey Murphy, you know, a little floor spacer there. 20 minutes to the defensive pest in Alvarado. And that leaves, if my math is correct, like 15 minutes for Devontae Graham here and Najee Marshall here. Uh, and it's like those eight and then Devontae Graham and Marshall as your 9-10, like sort of getting the spot minutes. And uh, that's those eight mainly, they're all contributing. They're all playing their role absolutely perfect. And, and Trey said it, whether they go on to pull off the crazy 1-8 upset, whether they just lose the next games from here on out, it doesn't really matter because this is just such great experience for these young guys, all these guys, and, and your guy like uh, Brandon Ingram who hasn't even been there. And then the idea of adding Zion. I mean, it's just like this. I just can't believe this team started 1-12, make the deadline mm. deals, and then it's like things. the future looks immediately bright now, I, I think it's fair to say. Do you agree with that, Tess? The future looks fantastic, Skeets. Yeah. Uh, you got to be yeah, pumped for them. I would say the immediate future, I got to be a little scared for game three. You know Chris Paul and the Suns are in that locker room. And Willie Green's mentor, Monty Williams, Suns head coaches, got them locked in to bounce back. Because just so many plays, including the Devin Booker injury, that play was Jackson Hayes sprinting out yeah. and beating the Suns down court. That ain't the best team in the league last night. And that's why sometimes you can steal a game two on a, another team's home floor because the game one win allows the team to just take a tiny pressure off the pedal and, and that kind of stuff happens. So that, that, that's the ugly part for me is that if this Devin Booker injury lasts a while here for the Suns, you know, beyond round one into to round two or something, it's, it's that possession that they didn't get back uh, and... and that that's just going to be a, a, you know a little bit of tarnish on, on this this Suns team that you know played so well and a possession that they didn't get back. Uh, Devin Booker, yeah, always a scary sight where a guy's grabbing his hammy, and I don't know if it helps that it's the different hammy than what it was in uh, earlier in the season. It's the right hammy this time, but they're going to take their time, and I think they should uh, because uh, the Suns have enough to battle the Pels uh, the rest of the way. So this obviously is a great, great, great experience for this Pels team that, you know, came into the season thinking that they were going to make the playoffs, even though they started 1-12. They acted at the trade deadline like they were going to make the playoffs, trading for a guy like C.J. McCollum, and uh, that trade looks fantastic. And, yeah, obviously all those guys uh, in, in their rooks, in Trey Murphy and Herb Jones, uh, with you know, some of their pests uh, like Alvarado, uh, and others, yeah, they, they, they were perfect last night. Absolutely perfect to steal this game. And, Lee, you sort of said it. The best thing about all of this, the Pelicans winning last night, is it automatically means games three and four in New Orleans are like, I mean, we're going to watch them anyway, but mm. they must watch. These are mm -hmm. huge games. It could very easily be, you know, a 2-2 split is in play here, uh, heading back in, in theory for game five to Phoenix, which would be amazing. But, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe the Suns take both of them, but it means both of them are big, big games. It's not going to be a sweep here, which a lot of people were predicting, uh, and that is not the case. Any other thoughts, guys, on, on the Pels' victory over the Suns last night? No. Let's move on then. The Grizzlies. Crushed the Timberwolves 124 to 96 to tie their series 
at one game apiece. Uh, this one took a while there, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, 50 minute first quarter? Oh, something like that? It was insane. <laughs> yeah, somebody called Morris Barter Mama Justice. We got ourselves a series. <laughs> oh, you're not kidding though, Skeets. This one started out ugly. Little too much grit and grind, I would say. 20 <laughs> fouls, 33 free throws in the first quarter. We had a lot of reviews. We had a flagrant foul. We had a technical foul. We saw a lot of Zach Zarba. And honestly, it had some massive effects on how this game played out. For one, Carl Anthony Towns picked up two quick fouls in the first quarter uh, of this one. Got a third early in the second quarter as well. He battled foul trouble all night long, and that's one of the Timberwolves' Achilles heels, no doubt. Maybe more important, though, is that Steven Adams also got two fouls in the first three minutes. And that's when the adjustments came in, baby, because Taylor Jenkins went to Brandon Clark. And that was the last we saw of Steven Adams, maybe <laughs> for the rest of this series. Yep. Jenkins eventually went with Xavier Tillman. He also had uh, uh, Kyle Anderson taking some time on Carl Anthony Towns at, at some point. The athleticism upgrade definitely paid off because in game one, all of the Memphis bigs were bad and all of them were good in game two. 16 points, seven rebounds, five offensive and four threes for Jaron Jackson Jr. 13 and three rebounds with two steals for Brandon Clark, and then 17 points, seven boards, four of them offensive for Tillman, and then Kyle Anderson was kind of the Nick Batum in this game as well. That was great stuff. The Grizzlies crushed the glass, one second chance points, 19 to eight, and dominated the paint the way we've seen in the past, but usually they're playing Steven Adams there. So they also won the turnover battle, forced 19 turnovers, which turned into 28 points. Just nine turnovers forced, 15 points for the Timberwolves, who we know like to score off of turnovers as well. Grizzlies also shot well, tied from behind the arc and at the free throw line, and their depth was much better. In game one, Malik Beasley and McDaniels really killed the Grizzlies. In game two, the Grizzlies bench showed up 60 to 43, double digits from four players. And of course, John Morant was the best guard on the court last night. 23, nine and 10, hit a couple of threes. Maybe could have gone for a triple-double if they played the entire of the fourth quarter, but... Feels like every concern you had about the Grizzlies after game one flipped their way in game two. It ended up being the biggest uh, margin of victory in franchise history for Memphis. So now we're 1-1, going to Minnesota. This feels like a seven-gamer at this point, but maybe maybe the Steven Adams change really is going to turn the tide toward the Grizzlies' favor because doesn't feel like he's got a place in this series, and the Grizzlies looked really good playing faster with all their athletes out there. Yeah, what do you think, Tass? you agree with what Trey's saying? Maybe we're not going to see too much Adams here for the rest of this. That's something we talked about uh, after game one, too. We saw the blueprint from uh, Ty Lue and the Clippers. Hey, go a little smaller, go a little more active to get in on Towns, and maybe it's just not a series for Steven Adams. Yeah, and on the other side, Chris Finch played Jared Vanderbilt like eight minutes because uh, they were just playing off him. So it's an interesting there, a tit for tat there. Uh, the Wolves tried to get more shooting out there, but the Wolves were just not taking great shots in this game. And obviously the foul trouble for Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, and they weren't locked in defensively yet. Total flip from uh, game one. Seems like they got their one in Memphis and they're ready to go back. So yeah, it feels like we're going to have a real, real long series, just like we had a real, real long first quarter uh, in this game. I thought, <laughs> oh yeah, I thought the Patrick, so Patrick Beverly uh, came in on, uh, it was Morant was driving, hit by Towns. Patrick Beverly comes in and, and he, you know, grabs the ball, sort of swats at the ball and it, ended up being a tech foul after a review 
And the yep. Memphis Grizzlies crowd was just sort of taken out of it. And I thought, man, that's a smart little play by Patrick Beverly. Uh, <laughs> even if it's a tech foul and it's a free throw and we got a 1-1 game here, everything was being reviewed after it because the refs were trying to get everything under, under control. And Memphis's amazing crowd uh, was, uh, you know, a, a little bit quiet for a while until their team uh, absolutely was relentless and was ready to play like they did. I, I thought John Morant's line wasn't even indicative of how great he was in this game. He could have been even better. He could have had way more assists. Uh, but um, they were just back on their stuff. They're back on second chance points, fast break points, offensive rebounds, getting back to Memphis Grizzlies basketball. So that looked like the team we know and love. Well, the uh, yeah, the, the Wolves, a little bit disappointing, I guess, in Anthony Edwards, just not having anywhere close to his first game of this series or his play-in tournament game, shots weren't great, and just kind of out of it, it felt like, until uh, the fourth quarter when he started to get back into it. Yeah, he wasn't all that great, but I would have him below Towns, who got himself out of this with foul trouble again, had a shit game. And D'Angelo Russell has forgotten the playoffs have started. This guy's a Mr. Play-in game, but uh, playoffs, not so much. And then, yeah, maybe Ant there next. But what would you think, Lee? Grizzlies looking like the regular season Grizzlies. Yeah, and I was more just disappointed with uh, Minnesota's follow-up effort to that impressive game one. They seemed just out of sorts from the start. The fouls obviously sort of disrupted any flow they got. And then Carl Anthony Towns, I mean, he just can't get himself in that sort of position again where he's in foul trouble. They need him. They got blown out in this one. And uh, the good news is that Ja Morant obviously listens to our show because uh, he said after game one, a few people jumping off us saying uh, they're going on the Minnesota Timberwolves now, think they can win the series. Stay there. We don't want you back. So uh, <laughs> I know I sort of uh, hinted that maybe the Wolves can steal that? this. So uh, so it's good to know that Jar's listening. But um, overall, yeah, no, it was a really, really impressive stuff here from the Grizzlies because uh, they are, for the most part, an inexperienced team. They didn't handle game one at home. They're sort of like the Raptors there. But uh, they bounced back and uh, they got a really good win. So I still don't know quite where this series is going. I think the uh, Wolves are going to be much better. You know, Patrick Beverly was one of his worst games there last night. Didn't impact it at all. And uh, But I, I still feel that, you know, the, the Wolves have forced the Grizzlies into making that Stephen Adams adjustment. And now does Jenkins go back to him just at the start and say, all right, you can start the game, but you get a quick hook again? Or does he throw someone else into that lineup who is a little bit more athletic, a little bit quicker and can get into Towns' face and cause some trouble? But, you know, that that's still a good sign for Minnesota that you've you've made the other team say this is what worked for us during the regular season but we're not probably going with it in the playoffs and uh and now towns and finchie and those guys are going to have to say okay if someone's a bit smaller she can shoot over that guy you know because tillman's what six six eight he's a big guy in terms of his, he's uh, a burly six, he, eight, he sure eight. is but he's uh you know towns is a clear seven footer so he's got that height advantage if he can knock down some shots and put some pressure back on them but but he's got to stay on the court that's the problem and, he, and he's yeah. got to stay out of foul trouble um, I loved Anthony uh, Edwards' comments after this one. This guy does not lack the confidence. Quote, we stole one on their home court. We're 1-1. I'm not worried. I hope my teammates aren't worried. We're going back to Minnesota. They got to come to our house and play us twice at the crib. Our crowd is... I put our crowd up there with the best of them. It's their problem to deal with. So I think you're right there, Tass. That idea of like, we got our split. We did our work here in Memphis, uh, and we took our foot off the gas a little bit. The Grizzlies got back to being the Grizzlies of the regular season, too. Just that balanced effort led by John Morant. The nice move from Jenkins. Now, I think Jenkins was helped out a little bit by Adams getting two quick fouls, mm. and then 
pulled him out, and then, oh, this is working a lot better. We'll see if Adams, you know, does he start game three? Something similar happens, just more minutes for Clark. Tillman, you know, Jaron Jackson at the five, maybe. But uh, just Tyus Jones coming in, hitting half of his shots and helping. Zaire Williams, the rook, you know, he scored in limited minutes. Just It was just that everybody contributing with Jackson hitting threes, Bain hitting threes. That's that's the Memphis we saw for good chunks of the regular season. So it's nice to see them uh, appear here in the playoffs. And that run in the third quarter just blew the game open, and then it was over. That ga- that game was a wrap uh, as they went on and on and on. They were up, what, 96-77 heading mm. into the fourth, and obviously the final score. Minnesota didn't get much closer, but should be a fun series. When's game three? Anybody know the schedule on the top of their head? Uh, game one. three is on... In Minnesota. Is it a Friday? 21st, tomorrow. Tomorrow? Okay, yeah. Thursday night. Mm. All right. Uh, any other uh, thoughts on... Wolves, Grizzlies. Are we going to get the two dads uh, in a sort of like uh, like Danny Larue and Nate Duncan as a uh, an alternative broadcast? Yeah, I said that like a Manning cast <laughs> or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. team around. And we and, should. Uh, and Carl Anthony Senior there, yeah, because they were they were just going at each other. It was, it was a tough spot for Chris Haynes there because he only had the one <laughs> microphone. Yeah, he, and he was kind of like, all right, you know, they're sort of talking over each other a little bit there. But uh, I think everyone is hoping we see a lot more of the dads because uh, it seems to be fun. They seem to be enjoying each other's company which is good. It's not nasty or anything like that. They're just, uh, uh, you know, having a good time with each other. They were funny. They were hilarious. They were laughing at their jokes, taking it very lightly. I like the fact that when you think of an alternate broadcast, Lee, you don't think of Manning cast, the most popular alternate broadcast. (laughs) You think of Nate Duncan, Marcus Smart isn't a good defensive player, and Danny LaRue <laughs> drinking milk together. I mean, That's great. Well, they do the league pass uh, alternate. You can call me an NBA homer if you want there, Tassie, because, uh, you know, I, I know, obviously, of the Manning cast, but I haven't watched it, but... Uh, Danny and Nate feel like, you know, they feel like just an extension of what we do. You know, they're, they're our guys. I've played, played basketball with those guys. I know those guys. So it <laughs> right. feels a little bit more homey when you've got uh, Nate and Danny there going back and forth. Yeah. I, I got to say, too, I saw this going around Twitter. When he has the sunglasses on, oh, John Morant's dad, T. Morant, looks like Usher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like this guy, your dad is Usher? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Just that looks like an older version of it. I think especially when the glasses are on. Mm. Uh, but he's got the vibe. And he, he seems like a cool guy, too. That was a very funny uh, interview. I'm glad that clip was, that was being shared anywhere. Yeah. Trey, you got any thoughts, uh, final thoughts on Wolves, Grizz? D'Angelo Russell needs to play basketball. Uh, he's yeah. been honestly brutal in this series, and he I think he averaged like 31 a game against yeah. the Grizzlies in the regular shoot season, shot 55%. And he is uh, now, what, 5 for 22 through two games here? Uh, wasn't a problem in game one, but with Towns really struggling in game two, would have been nice to see Russell doing something, yeah. so... He was great in the play-in game. He really saved the season there uh, against the Clippers. Maybe he'll be better back in the target center. One of the shots right. he hit too last night was just a, a oh, yeah. bling. Like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So that doesn't even count. That doesn't count as a made shot. Like That's just mm. a lucky one. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll take our first break. When we come back, uh, we'll get into some NBA news. We've got Tweet of the Night still. And I'm excited to see how many times we say Jimmy <laughs> in the next block. Anytime Jimmy Butler does something, we say Jimmy a lot. So let's count it up when we come back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Selling a little? Yeah. Cha-ching. Or a lot? <laughs> Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling savory sausages or offering ostentatious oddities, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash nodunks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash no dunks now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash no dunks. All right, back with no dunks. Shout out to everyone joining us live here on a Wednesday. Hit that like button. Subscribe to no dunks on YouTube. Tell your friends. Leave your comments. Holy, what is that? Sorry, I'm watching Isle and Iverson eat popcorn. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Watching Alan Iverson eat popcorn on the sideline. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Jimmy Butler scored 45. Big game James. Big face Butler. What do you want to call him? Jimmy uh, as the Heat defeat the Hawks. 115-105 for the 2-0 lead, Tassie. What would you say? Oh, let's call him Michael Jordan. Jordan wore 45, didn't he? Uh, yeah, James <laughs> Butler. Jimmy was fantastic, obviously. Uh, he was getting into the lane. You know what you usually think of Jimmy Butler? You think of him sort of as a, hey, let, let's give this guy the ball on the wing. He'll find his way into the mid-range, and he'll score. But with the Hawks losing Clint Capella and starting John Collins over Anyek and Kongwu, I think Jimmy Butler knew, I can get to the rim whenever I want. But they weren't just stale catches uh, to get him to the rim, they got him on the move. Jimmy was running, which you don't see him do that often and scoring in transition. And without Clint Capella, it's not a good recipe for the Hawks. Even though they were up for this game, it was it looked like a good bounce-back game for the Hawks. Jimmy could get to the rim with John Collins there whenever he wanted. In fact, at one point, two minutes left late in the game, you even had Ian Eagle on the call as Jimmy drove in and score, saying, Ole defense! I uh, don't <laughs> want to hear that in a playoff game if you're the Atlanta Hawks. Just off the cuff and Ole defense from the broadcaster, that is rare. And I'm sure all the vets, all the oldies from the 80s and 90s thinking, oh, 
come on, we, that would never have happened in our day. And it was unfortunate. The Hawks, yeah, going a little smaller. But I thought Nate McMillan making that move uh, was a really, really smart move to, to try and get things going offensively for the Hawks. And it was working to a degree. Uh, John Collins was was helping out, uh, obviously, but Jimmy was, literally was just too much. Uh, you, you can point to uh, a lot of things in this game, the Hawks turning it over a ton, but really this was the Jimmy Butler show. The fact that three other starters on the Heat had single digits and the other one just had 14 points. He had a really bad Kyle Lowry game uh, other than him uh, yeah, playing with uh, DeAndre Hunter's legs. That was a lot of fun. First one to the car gets the passenger seat. That's what that looked like. Uh, but uh, Jimmy Butler was doing it all. He hit four threes as well. There's that stat from Kevin Pelton going around that since he's joined the Heat, he's 24% from three in the regular season and 36% in the playoffs. He picks it up in the playoffs. And really... That's just from the bubble. That's really where that stat comes from because he had a bad postseason last year. And you couldn't help but think of Jimmy Butler, Bubble Butler, when watching him uh, put 45 (laughs) in last night. It really was him and the rest of the Heat. So the Hawks turned it over. Yeah, but didn't matter. Really, really didn't matter what Jimmy was doing last night. He was just way, way too good. Yep. Playoff career high 45, and he was – Big part of like closing the game, Lily, with that 7-0 run to decide. The Hawks were in this. It was a three-point game. I mean, they played better than game one. They really couldn't have played much worse, though they were sloppy, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But, uh, yeah, Jimmy just doing it everywhere. Transition, dunking, hitting the threes like Tass said, and then he got to the line as well. I think 11 for 12 at the line. What do you think? Yeah, I was pretty pissed off with the Hawks, actually, after last night's game because it was there for them to win. They played mm-hmm. better, but, man, they had some awful, awful turnovers. A couple of times they just couldn't even get the ball inbounds, you know, without it being stolen. And on that yep. one play you're talking about there, Jimmy Butler taking it down, it was another sloppy pass from Trey Young. He had 10 turnovers last night. He was good. He was better than he was in game one. But that defensive pressure, is it, I just think it's in your mind for the entire game because, you know, I've talked in the past about how a steal is not really a steal. Most of the time it's an interception. Last night there were a few real live ball steals where they just took the ball off the Atlanta Hawks. Gabe Vincent, I thought, was really locked in. His job was like, go out there, pick Trey up full court and just get in his face. And then if it wasn't him, it was Caleb Martin, you know, someone else there, just making sure that Trey knew every time he touched the ball, someone was there in his face. But despite all that, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich had a good game off the bench, hitting threes in that fourth quarter. He brought them back into it, but they just couldn't quite get over the hump. And then when they did make some of those turnovers, the Heat made them pay fully because you mentioned the three-point shooting there and just the fact that Jimmy Butler went for 40 Tim Reynolds actually had a stat here this morning, which was incredible, saying the last time Heat fans or Heat Heat fans saw a Heat player score 45 in a game at home before Jimmy Butler did it last night was when LeBron had 61 in 2014, which is just mm. remarkable because that's not the, the Miami Heat don't want to have a guy have to go for that many points. They like it when a lot of guys contribute, but last night they weren't getting those normal contributions from other guys. Bam didn't have a great game by his standards. Even Kyle Lowry didn't score all that much either. So sort of Jimmy had to take over and be playoff Jimmy. So the Hawks, in a sense, won that battle that they like. We we had one guy beat us and no one else could. Unfortunately, that guy was just too good for them. So I was uh, I was I was frustrated. There was a few curse words going at the computer last night Whoa. because it was like you've got to take care. You've got to take better care against of the ball against this Heat team. They're just too good and they really do punish you. And they did last night, and it cost them big time in the end. I couldn't agree with you more, Lily. I was also cursing at the Hawks. I took notes on their dumbass mistakes that really hurt them in this. 
Let's start with Trey trying to throw a lob over his head mm. oh, yeah. to a trailing John Collins in the first quarter. It wasn't mean, cool. shooting fouls either. Pretty somehow. cool. Yeah, I know. But what, what are you doing? also doing? Take the layup. No, You're yeah, going to need every two points yeah. you can get against this team. That was a little suspect. And then you already named a bunch of them. Like the inbounds passes for the Hawks last night was garbage. Uh, I, me- I remember in the first quarter, DeLon Wright had one. It was like a pick six by Struess and one on the other end. Then Wright chucked away one in transition. He was like, he appeared to be pissed with Bogey for not cutting, but he threw it like yeah. 10 feet out of bounds. And DeLon Wright played great defensively. I mean, he was active, his hands everywhere. He was good on off, uh, defense, but offense not as much. Collins, he had one of those poor inbounds trying to throw it into Hunter. That was one where Lowry dove all over it and uh, picked up a third foul on DeAndre Hunter. Just a bad pass. Just a poor pass, again, on an inbounds. Trey dribbled into a double team. Just so, like... Absolutely dribbled right into a double team on the sidelines. Stepped out of bounds. So that was one of his 10 turnovers. Collins jacked a three hilariously early in the shot clock in the third quarter. And it was a brick. I mean, it was like three seconds into the shot clock. I was like, God, what are you doing? You can get a better shot than that. You had an empty possession down 10 points where Collins just shuffled his feet in the paint. Okay, one of those crappy, you know, travels that you're just like, oh, you're, you're moving a little. Your brain's moving a little too quick for your feet to keep up. And then two more. Trey throwing a piss poor oop to a Kongu, it ricocheted yeah. off the glass, and Butler dunked it in transition, and then the fourth quarter, his 10th turnover, Trey Young. He picked up his dribble, telegraphed that he was going to pass it to Bogey at the top, and that one Butler picked, score on the other end. Mm. Just like, that's a, what did I just list there? Nine or ten? Like, a lot of those were not because of the heat all that much. It was just like picking up dribbles, telegraphing passes, and just making poor passes. And those all added up to an, an unfortunate loss for the Hawks, I thought, Trey. Yeah, they're not playing against the Charlotte Hornets anymore. They got to play with a little bit more force and a little bit more poise. And they just got to take care of the ball, uh, to be quite honest, because you can't win a game with your all-NBA player having 10 turnovers. It's very unlikely. Jimmy has controlled this series completely. This was only a 10-point win for the Heat. It did get down to a three-point game, but it never really felt in danger for the Heat. I mean, I guess if uh, the Hawks stay hot in the fourth quarter, they pull off the win, but it just felt like the Heat had the answer every single time and made every single play that they needed to. Earlier this week, Tyler Hero said that the numbers don't show how good of a shooter Jimmy Butler is. It's true. Tass had the stats. 24% in the regular season, 36% in the playoffs. So now Eric Spolstra is saying that Jimmy Butler is like Dwayne Wade because you wouldn't leave Dwayne Wade open in a playoff game if he's shooting the three-pointer. You know who agrees with him? Me, but also Dwayne Wade. He said afterwards, he's like, yeah, that's exactly right. And that's what it's like. You know, Jimmy Butler, he's not a great shooter, but he's also a decent enough shooter, and he's going to take him when he needs to. I thought he played completely in the flow of the game last night to score 45 points, and it felt like every shot he took was a good shot, was super, super impressive. That being said, having seen game two and the much better effort that the Hawks gave, I think they can win a game here in Atlanta. Yeah. 20 and 3 in their last uh 23 home games. I think they're like 27 and 14 including a 10 game losing streak at one point. So very well. Uh but the Hawks have only averaged 11 three-pointers made in these first two games shooting under 30%. You got to think they shoot a little bit better here at the Fortress. And if that's the case, if the role players are playing well, if you get another good Bogdanovich game and some additional made threes, Steal one here in Atlanta. Yeah, I think they started yeah. to feel like their run from last year because they were they were strutting. They were feeling good in this game, I thought, and that's why all those wild alley-oop passes were happening. Uh, there was just way, way, way too many. Uh, yeah, they got to... 
I mean, they just have to slow down a little bit. They were the best team in the NBA this year at not turning it over with only 12. Uh, and that's jumped to about 19 per game here in these first two games. And, and I think part of it is Trey moving off the ball a little bit in, in game two. Uh, just, you know, just a touch. And other guys uh, uh, with the ball in their hands. And they're just playing a little bit differently. But mostly, it, it's it's a Joe. It's not a Jimmy. It's a sloppy Joe out there. They, they're really just getting a little too... <laughs> yeah, just sloppy with the ball, really. Careless with it. Yeah, they have to play. They have to play. It's not... You said it. It's not the Hornets. You have to play a nearly perfect game to beat this Heat team. And... All those mistakes that I went through, again, a lot of them were just them being careless with the ball. I liked Trey working off the ball more. I mm. thought that did unlock them a little bit. I thought they were getting a lot better looks than they did in game one. I think there's a balance there for sure uh, with him sort of dominating the ball and then moving them off it. But, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think they can win one of these games here in Atlanta. I got my standing room only tickets mm. for game three. Lately, it's a Friday night. Am I going to see you down there drinking a tall boy? To be determined, but uh, I'm trying to trying to work a few things behind the scenes here to get involved. So uh, hopefully I'll be down there. But I do think that uh, DeLon Wright needs to handle the ball a little bit and just get Trey moving, you know, because they, they tend to trap. They tend to know if he's got the ball. It's like the, everyone's bigger than Trey. They've always got a bigger defender and they've got someone ready to go, whether it's Struess or Vincent or Martin or Kyle, whatever. Like every time Trey's got the ball, he's under pressure. So get him off the ball. If he can get some open looks and maybe spot up for three, that might be something to do. But also Gallinari needs to do something. He uh, he looked ordinary last night there. He got a couple of open looks. He couldn't knock them down. They need yeah. everything from him if he's uh, if he's going to be out there on the floor. Uh, earmuffs here for the Hawks fans. I guess Raptors fans too. Teams that take a 2-0 lead in a best-of-seven matchup have gone on to win the series 92 0.4% of the time. Mm. Hawks have never rallied from 0-2 down in a series. 0-25 in the Heat have never wasted uh, a 2-0 lead. 17 So they're both 0. due then, really. So it's great, actually. It's good for Atlanta. <laughs> it's true, it's true. It's a good way to look at it. Mm. Oh, you're like that guy at the roulette table yeah. where it's come up black 25 times. Yeah. Gotta be red. Gotta be red. Go heavy. <laughs> has to be. Go heavy on red. Yeah, it has to uncom- work. <laughs> Uh, I have some random, random notes from this one. Uh, JD, I think you have some photos that I sent you. First, I, I, I love the heat. I love the crowd. I like the white hot playoffs. I like, you know, their overall look. I know they got the alternate jerseys going at times. I can't stand, though, this logo on their floor. That I, I, what, I don't even know what I'm looking at in the FTX arena, but mm. that logo to the left of it. It's crypto. What is it? It's crypto. Yeah. It, it, it drives me insane. It looks like a dot matrix printer that's gone wrong. Like you've, you're trying to print something, uh, you know, back in the 80s and it's running out of ink. It literally makes me angry looking at it. It turns into a temper poi every time I see it. And you see it a lot there, of course. So there's that. Uh, that's a weird note. And then this one, there was a funny little moment where Butler fell on the ball. Mm. And this is for all my old heads out there. Uh, I immediately thought of the Pretty Ricky late night special video of kids <laughs> pumping an ottoman. Trey, you know what I'm talking about? That's like an 07 YouTube video. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, that's a that's a must watch after the show. I know I was watching Iverson eating popcorn, but uh, <laughs> smanging on a couch. That's a, oh my god, that's I a hilarious it, video. I watched it last night, Trey, and I was howling. It was funnier than I even. Remembered. Uh, I haven't <laughs> seen it in a long time. That's uh, <laughs> that's funny. That's a, again a reference Pretty not Jimmy. everybody's going to get. But uh, Lee, do you get that reference? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Actually. No. no. Okay. No. 
You can look up Pretty Ricky uh, late okay. night special if you want to see a funny video. Of, uh, <laughs> well, uh, when you say- I mean, honestly, the best way to describe it is uh, humping an ottoman, mm. <laughs> sexually humping an ottoman. The <laughs> vibes are ejaculate for that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the shirt. That's the shirt. Well, when you were talking about Pretty, I thought you were going to bring up David Beckham there, who was in the uh, in the crowd oh, last yeah. night with his yep. daughter Harper and. Uh, my goodness, he's a handsome gentleman, isn't he? He really God, slots he into was, the... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're ejaculating. Um, what do you think about the courtside seats? I think he's sitting like right there on the floor that have the monitor. Yeah. So, so I was trying to find him because the, when, when Jim Jackson and uh, who was on the call there last night? Eagle. Star, Brian, uh, Brian Eagle, yeah. Eagle, yeah. That, honestly, a great duo. Uh, Jim Jackson I, is great. One of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. Jim, Jim Jackson's really, really good. Um, but he said, oh, Beckham's only three seats to your left or down from yeah, you. Yeah, he was, he had his, Beckham had his back to us watching. The, yeah, uh, yeah. In but, fact, if you put up the stupid uh, floor logo again, you might be able to even see mm. him. Right. Yeah, I, I just couldn't quite figure which, where he was. I think I knew where he was, but. He's right there in the girls don't cry. I oh, that's him. him. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And see, you got the monitor there. To it's, what, like, you know. it's like he's yeah. at the scorer's table. Maybe yeah. he's watching Pretty uh, Ricky uh, late night special. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about that in such a long time. That's <laughs> <It's, it's> good. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other notes, guys, on uh, Heat Hawks? Uh, Tass, you coming down Friday night? I know Trey's going to be back in Chicago for his own team cheering on them. You, you coming down? What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I was waiting to see what effort the Hawks put forth in game two. Uh, to make yep. a call, and they definitely did. It felt like a, a winnable game. Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I might be oh, watching yeah. Magic Mike. That's what that Jimmy Butler humping mm. made me think of. I think of Magic Mike 1 and Magic well, Mike Magic 2. Magic Mike, inspired by the uh, Pretty Ricky late night special, <laughs> if you ask me. Uh, okay, let's, let's go to some news here. Uh, Kyrie Irving. Fined $50,000 on Tuesday for making obscene gestures toward fans during that Sunday loss to the Celtics in Game 1. A league statement said Irving's fine is for making obscene gestures on the playing court and directing profane language toward the spectator stands at the TD Garden. Uh, so there it is, 50K. I think Bobby Marks was right. It's the, it's the max you can get without it getting into the legality, I think, with uh, you know the players... Um, um, Union and stuff like that. So, Trey, what are you not surprised, I assume, by this? No, I guess maybe a little surprised to find out that NBA fines are all inclusive. You know, 50000 mm. it covers everything. You can even, <laughs> if you want to spend another $25, they'll give you a, a, a plastic cup you can refill as many times as you want. 50K <laughs> for several fingers and swearing in a press conference. Kyrie Irving has to think, totally worth it. Mm. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, he's yeah. like, I'm going to keep the same energy if that's what the fans are doing to me. And now he's got to pay $50,000. That's basically nothing. It's going to happen again. Um, there are F Kyrie Irving chants at Red Sox games. Mm. So surely it's going to happen again tonight against the Celtics once again for the low, low price of $50,000. The birds are coming back, baby. It's just a matter of does... Does Kyrie Irving want to be the villain once again? Because Kevin Durant had like the best thoughts on this. He's like, this is just what sports are. You love him so much when it's taken away, you hate him. It's all similar emotions. He said it really eloquently, but he also said, Kyrie doesn't always want to be the villain. Maybe tonight he won't want to be and he'll just uh, take the yells. But I cannot imagine that is going to be the case if it's this small of a find. Mm. Yeah, interesting. What do you, I hadn't really thought about it. Le, Trey is saying we see more birds tonight from Kyrie. 
I mean, I, can you bet on that? I'm not sure. Uh, but what do you think, Lee? Does it uh, happen? Yeah, I, I think Kyrie maybe doesn't want to, but then in the heat of the moment in the game, especially if he's cooking again and the fans are swearing and yelling and screaming at him, of course he's going to return. He's like, 50 grand for this? Sure, why not? He gets paid like 300 grand a game. Well, it goes different don't, in the playoffs. On, don't you yeah. also think the league has maybe talked to Kyrie and said, you know, hey, look, you can't continue this. I know we're only dinging you to 50K here, but cut this shit out. I mean, it's possible, well, right? You know, I mean, or look, otherwise, there'll be more severe consequences. Yeah, I, I think, I think uh, you know, they're going to see how it goes, of course, because remember Kyrie a couple of years ago said, I'm not talking to the media, and that didn't last long because the NBA said, you're going to have to. And so he <laughs> yes. did. Um, yep, yep. So, you know, as, as long as, you know, it's that fine line. And like, if it's just fans jeering and chanting against him, like, that's okay. But as long as it doesn't get out of hand and there's no incident between the fans, then I just, why wouldn't, I mean, Boston's one of the most hostile places to play. He used to play there. They know if they've gotten under his skin already. You know, the fans are bringing it. So can a man, can anyone resist going back at someone else after, you know, two, three, four hours maybe from, from the time he gets on the court and warms up to the end of the game without giving it back? I mean, I don't think he can do that. So yeah. uh, it's going to happen. I, I think it's actually more likely tonight, Tass, that instead of Kyrie dropping the middle finger, he'll be dropping the pointy finger pointing out someone in the crowd to get that guy out of here because maybe, well, someone's going to cross the line. I mean, there's no doubt. I'm sure things were said that crossed the line in game one and they're going to happen in game two because these people are like, they feed off the attention. Now they know it obviously affects him and rattles him to some extent. Uh, so that's my prediction tonight. You're gonna see, we're going to see that classic, the pointing, Refs coming over, that little converging, everybody, oh, that guy, that guy, I'm saying it's a guy, most likely a guy, uh, went too far and they get tossed. That, that's what I'll go on the record as my prediction. <laughs> that's possible. I would say that Kyrie doesn't want to make it seem like it affects him, so he doesn't do a thing tonight. He, mm. he internalizes it. And, uh, yeah, he focuses Thumbs on the up, court. Maybe? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, th- I think if anybody's fingers uh, will be prevalent, it'll probably be Kevin Durant's fingers. You'll see a real long finger at somebody. I think because they do take turns. You got, you got you know, Kyrie taking over one game, Kevin taking over the next game. It's going to be a bounce-back Kevin game, and he's going to give it to, uh, to Boston. And you'll see a, a long KD-like those those huge fingers, those, those long fingers like Bomani Jones fingers. If if yeah, uh, right. he's got specially long fingers and KD will. Well, do you think do, do you think KD gives the middle finger like I do, where I drop all the other fingers super low? <laughs> where some people I can't even do it, yeah, but some people some do people like like a half. A half yeah, yeah, like that. Where I finger. drop them. <laughs> yeah. You gotta go full finger. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I feel like we're that video. Those guys who just keep yeah. each other with finger. <laughs> okay. Uh, in other can news, you get, can you give the other middle finger? Can you give the ring yeah. finger? I mean, doesn't oh, mean anything, oh, but oh, everybody yeah. would know what it means. <laughs> it would look That's weird. A great, a great point. I mean, what would? The, yeah, I think so. It's the nice way of doing it. <laughs> The nice middle finger. <laughs> the nice middle finger. I'm mad at you, but don't find me. Only 25 I literally at first those. thought you were asking me if I could do the middle finger on both hands. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I was all proud to show you. Kyrie's got uh, a sick left middle finger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when someone throws the middle finger, they, do they put their hand up like this after? Like what they do when they score with their left? Uh, Luca, guys, uncertain for game three, but the Mavs are hopeful. Yeah, one source told ESPN his status for tomorrow's game three Quote, uncertain, saying the guard was day-to-day. Another source told ESPN there's hope that Luca could return for Game 3, though it's, quote, 
not a sure thing. Um, so Lee, we don't we don't really know here. <laughs> but we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it. Nobody really knows. Uh, you got one source saying maybe, another one saying likely or whatever. Uh, if Luke is out on the court, then he's good to go, I guess. But uh, it's just that weird injury, you know, because it it could be again connected to a, a more significant injury if he does any damage out there. You know, your calf obviously it's used for your speed and your explosiveness and things like that. And uh, if Luca doesn't have it, then he, he's going to be significantly hindered in what he can do out there. So um, I think it, it was... It's possible that like Brunson and Maxi Kleber bought Luca a couple more days rest here, right? Oh, you know for sure I mean? it is. tying the series 1-1, maybe you... Yeah. You, if they're down 2-0, then you're like more likely like, okay, Luca, try and save us. But... Maybe they give it they give it another go without him. That's yeah. that's I guess my guess. I, I think that is absolutely possible. I just I, I mean if the Mavs do bring him back early though and he does blow it out even further, then that they're gonna be you know embarrassed by that. You know you just can't take a risk. So we'll see. But uh, classic uh, whatever's happening there with the Mavs medical staff, the the leaks aren't all that reliable. I don't think as it's like. No one really knows for sure, and I think that's the way they like it. There was some leaked footage of him shooting the other day, but he was sort of basically just stand still shooting. He wasn't moving around. He wasn't catching off, you know, fake screens or shooting over a chair or anything. He was just like basically just standing still. So I don't know what that means, to be honest. Does that mean, is that a good sign or a bad sign? I have no idea. It means Ben Simmons is coming back. That's what it means. Ooh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, isn't he practicing now? What's he doing? Four on four? Where, uh, where is he at? Yeah, Steve <laughs> I think he was something. four on four. Yeah, I think so. That's right, the last yeah. I saw. Pretty soon he's five coming on back. five. I'm telling you, he's, he's not back tonight, of course, but uh, he'll be back in, in Brooklyn there for one of those games coming up. Very, very excited, though, for uh, tonight's Celtics Nets game two. I mean, there's just no way it could live up to the hype of game one, right? Right? <laughs> like, Why not? Why with, not? The, with the Kyrie drama and then the Tatum game nah. winner. There's no way. Maybe. Just before, though, you asked um, you know, how many times we were going to say Jimmy's name. Well, the stream team was keeping track. Finn okay. Boyle here says the Jimmy breakdown uh, countdown. Task 15 times. Well, yeah. Skeets nice. 2, me 5, and Trey 5 for a total of 27 Jimmys. We had I, I just remember <laughs> when we talked about Butler, like this regular season, there was a show, and I just remember Tass in the span of like, it felt like 30 <laughs> seconds said Jimmy like 20 times, and that's why I that's why I was excited to see what's a fun name to say. It is. It's a, it's a good name. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Okay, thanks for keeping track, everybody. Uh, we're going to take our final break, pay the bills here when we come back. Tweet of the night, and uh, we'll look ahead to the three game. Um, well, I was going to say game twos. Two game twos and one game three up there in Toronto. So don't go anywhere. Been doing a bunch of retirement planning stuff lately. So I've had documents flying in and out the mailbox. A lot of signatures, both analog and digital. A lot of phone calls, a lot of stamps. Got to get my long-term future straight. Yeah. Let me tell you, Skeets. The things we build our future around are the things worth protecting. Making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Watch your assets. With Trust and Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash nodunks for 10% off plus free document shipping. Trust and Will's website is simple to use and the process is straightforward. In no time, you'll have peace of mind that your assets and wishes are secure with easy access and control of your estate planning. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs, whether it be care wishes, nomination guardians, final arrangements, or power of attorney. 
It's easy to ensure your family and loved ones avoid lengthy, expensive legal proceedings or the state deciding what happens to your assets. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with trust and will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash no dunks. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash no dunks. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, back with No Dunks. We'll get to uh, tonight's three games. But before that, we got Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. I am the Tweet Man on this fine day. Great night on Twitter last night. Great night of basketball. I've had to undergo some changes in the rundown today. Had a lot of baby dap content loaded up earlier, but it was impossible. There was no way we were going to talk about the Suns game and skip over a guy dapping up a baby. So we're going going to, quite honestly, the third choice here. But our third tweet of the night is from Tim Reynolds. It's a Jimmy Butler quote. Add it to the tally. I'm a huge fan of the Backstreet Boys, Jimmy Butler. Presented without context, he mentioned he was listening to the Backstreet Boys before the game last night. Put up 45 points. Uh, guess he wants it that way. Uh, there's also this commercial of Jimmy. Uh, I guess it's a Michelob Ultra commercial where he's singing Hootie and the Blowfish. Yep. Yep. Only want to be with you. Personally, I Go Blind is my favorite Hootie song. But, you know, Jimmy Butler loves to talk about his musical preferences because nobody else in the NBA has the same musical preferences as Jimmy Butler. If it's a pregame before an NBA playoffs game, would you be mad if Backstreet Boys was on the radio in the locker room? <laughs> would you what say song? something to Jimmy Butler? Uh, I mean, I assume he's playing all of the hits. Backstreet's back. Probably. I want it that way. There are other hits. <laughs> there are other hits that sound like there are other hits i'm good with it love it play it jimmy rock out i i thought for a second jimmy butler was confused and thought david beckham was in the backstreet boys <laughs> in honor well, of him. Nope. just you know the whole it's married to a spice girl and sort of a girl band boy band but uh no i mean yeah i think i'm they don't have a lot of bangers for being honest Not, like as long as you tweet, love me it, yeah, oh, it's like, I don't care who you are. <laughs> it's not. It's really a chill vibe to get ready for a yeah. playoff game, if we're being honest. But okay, hey, it worked for him. Maybe they that. I'd rather hear Hootie to get me going. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's there's like five great Hootie bangers, and yeah. most of them are up tempo. Uh, Let her cry would probably bring you down a little bit too much. Yeah. Uh, but Skeets, for me, if I'm pre gaming for an NBA playoff game. I'm turning on Pretty Ricky's late night special. I <laughs> <laughs> watched it during the break. <laughs> Skeets, who's your favorite guy? Oh, God. Relentless, X2C, Pipe Layer, or Satisfaction? They've all got moves. <laughs> I forgot when I watched it that they had the nicknames. Uh, I don't know, man. They're, this is the, they're like a boy band, really, right? They all play their part. They all hump their corner of the ottoman equally. 
I guess pipe player. Give me pipe player. Oh yeah, pipe player is a big fan. Everybody's a big fan of pipe player. <laughs> People are saying he's gonna go solo at some point, so we shall see. I swear that was one of the first YouTube videos, man. I, I, I'm convinced it was at, at the forefront. <laughs> I mean, it's 2007. I like to imagine that they're like, finally, we have somewhere to put this video, and <laughs> nowhere to share it up until then. Oh, pretty, pretty Ricky and the late night special. Mm-hmm. Uh, seek it out. Uh, just be careful where you're watching it, I guess. Um, okay, good tweets there. Way to, way to call an audible. Game uh, two slash three predictions tonight. We got Net Celtics game two. Boston leads that series, of course, after the uh, Tatum game winner there on Sunday. Seven o'clock start. Ooh, thank you. Eight o'clock up in Toronto. Sixers up 2-0 on the wraps. This, uh, well, this is the series. Raptors have to win this one or it's uh, it's a done deal. And we got the Bulls, Bucks, Trey Kirby, Excited for this. 9.30 start there on TNT. So, um, yeah, who wants to get us started on this? Uh, Tass, thoughts on any of these games? Something to watch for? What are you thinking? Well, of course I'm pumped for Nets-Celtics. I think Kevin Durant turns it around after having a six-turnover game. The great players will will just figure it out. Obviously, the Celtics were incredible in the way they were face-guarding him and really, really making it hard for him to get the ball, to do anything. As Grant Williams said, he told The Athletic, we have to do a phenomenal job of staying into him because everything has to be tough. Not just him walking up and down the court, but him trying to get a cup of water on the sideline. And yeah, it it was fun. It was like, you know, Dirk back in the day, uh, a lot of physical, physical play. And the same has happened with Durant in the playoffs. He's had a little Patrick Beverly get into him. But the Celtics were doing such a good job of keeping their hands back. And that brings me to Toronto. Let's do that uh, with Joel Embiid. Up or back? And, and, you know, going through the footage one more time and Raptors fans being extremely angry about Joel Embiid going to the line 14 times, there were a couple in there that shouldn't have been called. That's definitely true. Uh, But that's not where they lost the game. They lost the game because they are banged up and even their guys who are healthy and Fred Van Vliet banged up. And I think that's uh, a big part of it. So... Let's use that excuse for why they're going to be a little sluggish on defense against. I mean, that, that that's where they lost the game. They were sluggish on the defensive end. They're not healthy enough with Barnes out again. Gary Trent, unlikely to play. Fre- no, Fred- no, no. We've got an update on that, actually. Gary Trent Jr. is going to play tonight. Mm. Uh, they're going to do what they did in game two and give it a go and have him start and see if uh, how he does there with the, with his illness. That's the word from Michael Grange, like, you know, near, merely minutes ago. And that Thad Young is improved. He's going to play with the thumb injury. Scotty Barnes is in a walking – or, excuse me, is out of the walking boot. And he was asked uh, – they asked Nick Nurse, will he play tonight? And he said, maybe. Yeah, he's not playing. Uh, <laughs> I doubt he's playing. Well, yeah, Thad Young – But anyway, sorry. Thad Young's sorry. injury has to uh, – uh, not only improve, he has to improve. I mean, I, I thought that just the depth is the the lacking part. The thing that the Raptors had going for them, it, it hurts with, with Barnes out, Gary Trent not being himself, and Fred Van Vliet not being himself. And that's the excuse. So what does Pascal Siakam have to do? I think he has to lead by example, and he has to be the one who plays those Fred Van Vliet level minutes. I mean, Fred played 30 straight minutes to start this game. And I think Fred's Fred just wasn't healthy to end the game and, or end the season. And maybe they thought, you know, him – Going to the bench would stiffen his knee up, but uh, obviously going five from nine in the first quarter to one for nine in the second quarter, the depth is a problem. Anyway, I'm not very, very pumped about that. It's on Pascal's sh- shoulders, I think, to lead. And in the other game, 
Uh, I think the Bucks won't allow as many open shots as they did uh, in game one. They improve. Sometimes their game ones are not good. See last year's postseason. They turned it over 21 times. I think they'll be a much better team, and that bodes uh, pretty poorly for doubles. What do you think, Trey, of uh, your Bulls-Bucks game two there or any of these games tonight? What are you watching? Yeah, the Bucks are just bad in game ones in general. I think they've lost like five of their last six, and the one win that they had was a Chris Middleton buzzer beater. So... To beat the Bucks, you want to do it in game one. So, bummer that the Bulls didn't pull that one out. I'm interested to see if anything actually carries over for from game one. Because Giannis was great in transition. He really destroyed the Bulls when he had a chance to run. But they did a fairly solid job of just getting in his way and making him see bodies a lot in the half court. First, a ton of turnovers. 21 turnovers for Milwaukee in game one. Those are a couple areas where I assume uh, the Bucks will want to clean things up. And then on the, on the Bulls' side... DeMar DeRozan said, you're not going to see that poor of a shooting game from me, Zach Levine, and Vooch. They were brutal uh, in game one. If any of the three of them shoots a nice percentage, the Bulls maybe pull that one out. So I assume that one of the three of those three will have a better game in game two, but I don't know if it will be enough because, like Tass is saying, the Bucks just tend to get better as the series goes on. So that will be interesting. The other thing I'm interested to see is, Tass, you mentioned um, – yesterday that the Raptors are like helping too much on James Harden. They Mm -hmm. need to make James Harden into a scorer. Have him try and finish over some of those taller defenders who have been guarding him because they are just helping off him in bad places. Like they'll help off of him on the strong side corner, get a wide open three for a Danny Green, or they'll all be flocking to Harden. And then suddenly Tyrese Maxey has an easy drive to the hoop. I wonder if there's some sort of change up, maybe Maybe the Raptors just try and play things a little bit more straightforward here, less rotations and uh, less manic running around and just try and, you know, make Harden be a scorer once again. He hasn't been great at it so far, so we shall see. That might be the game plan. I mean, look, you know Nurse is going to throw something at the wall, uh, Lee, (laughs) be it going back to, like, more normal man-up basketball and give that a go and not helping him hard as much or something even we have never even seen before. He's going to – you throw everything at this game because your season, the series, is on the line here in game three. It's the only pivotal game on tonight. (laughs) Yes, we've reached a pivotal game, pivotal for the Raptors at least, not not the Sixers as much. But uh, what are your final thoughts on tonight's game here, Lee? Yeah, I just hope the uh, Raptors can put together a a, a better game, more than just sort of 12 to 24 minutes. I hope they can play uh, four. 45 minutes and maybe give themselves a chance because it will be kind of deflating if they do go down 3-0. You want to see them at least uh, make a series of it, maybe get Skeetsy on the plane home over the weekend. You know, he wants to go and watch a game. But uh, I've, I've got the in-laws coming down here soon. i got so much stuff to do this weekend. Mm, that won't be happening. Oh, right, yeah. But I hope it's a series. Yeah, but uh, and also for Trey, I'd love to see the Bulls cause a big upset. So he goes home to game 3-1-1. Yeah, you always want to feel that one. And if you go to game 3 at home and it's 1-1, you're like... Oh, I think maybe we could uh, we could pinch pivotal. this series. <laughs> yeah, very pivotal. So, uh, and uh, Celtics Nets. I just hope we have another great one like we did on Sunday. That would be yeah. awesome. So, don't really care who wins. Just want to see uh, an, an awesome battle. All right. Well, those are the three games on tonight. We'll be back tomorrow to break them all down here live at 10 a.m. Eastern. So, subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube or leave your boys a five star rating and review if you're listening to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to it. We always appreciate that. Keep sending in your questions to no dunks at theathletic.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the old TikTok at No Dunks Inc. Grab yourself an athletic subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash no dunks. And uh, if you're a Survivor fan, that's also on tonight. Oh my God. Three games and an episode of Survivor. 
will somehow get to a new No Buffs podcast and show tomorrow, our Survivor YouTube slash podcast. Tass Mellis filling in for our guy TK because he's going to be flying after the morning show here back to Chicago. So Tass, you got the tag. You're in, man. Talk a little Survivor. You've been you've been following the whole season, Of course, correct? yes, yes. All right, yeah. good. I wear a buff yep. to sleep. <laughs> That's it? Around your bu- lower half? <laughs> oh, that'd be weird. Why are you putting it on your lower half? Well, uh, like uh, some of the uh, very skinny women in Survivor history can like, oh. wear it as a skirt because it stretches. Uh, maybe oh. guys too. I don't know. Interesting. I've never seen that. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and do some uh, real research before I appear on No Buffs tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So that'll, so that'll be JD, Tass, and I tomorrow on the No Buffs YouTube feed around probably 3 p.m. Eastern. And then we'll flip that into a No Buffs podcast. That'll be a lot of fun. But yeah, lots on tonight. And uh, we'll be back to talk about it all tomorrow. Until then, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, and remember, after a Jimmy game like we saw in Game 2, you gotta tip your Jimmy hat. Embrace the day, people. You could stay, ooh, every day And I'd be happy every minute It's been so long, but you're the one I've waited for It's happened already It's gonna be groovy As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.